All right. Amen. Amen. Some of you know me as uh, Grandpa, Papa. Um, I've been a lot of things, you know. And it's wonderful to be in the house of the Lord today. Uh, what does your pastor say? How many are happy to be in the house of the Lord? <laughs> I wonder who he got that from. <laughs> uh, and it is wonderful to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, uh, David said, let us, not just me, but let us. I was happy when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. There's something about worshiping together. There's power when we come together in the name of Jesus. You know, we need our alone time with the Lord, but we also need to gather together and join together in praise. We need to join together in worship. We need to join together in prayer. I'm telling you, I wouldn't be standing here today if it was not for my wife and others that bound together with her and prayed for, my, for me to come back to the Lord. It was standing together in prayer and believing God. There's something about how when we come together, our faith rises together. Amen. You know, sometimes alone, God can meet us in a certain place. But there's other times when we just need somebody else with us. We need the fellowship. I think of the New Testament Christians. And how that they met from house to house daily. And they were receiving the word. And they were receiving and they were worshiping and they were praying. And they were having communion together. And you know so much power was there that they added to the church. They added to the church daily. So coming together, there's power in that. And so I'm so glad to see all of you this morning. Uh, and I, I'm thankful for this house. I'm thankful for the vision that our son and our daughter has for this house. I'm thankful for the vision that they have to... Uh, reach, to reach people that maybe are, are unreached and go wherever God sends them to go. And I'm thankful for those of you who are supporting them and holding up their arms and working with them daily. And I find it such a privilege to be here to speak to you for a few minutes. Uh, God is doing a, a new thing. Uh, my sermon this morning is following Jesus, but I just want to take a moment to read us another scripture. There's something happening, of course, maybe you've heard about 
the revival in, in Ashbury University, a Methodist university, by the way. Um, God can go anywhere he wants to go, do anything he wants to do as long as we are open to him. He's not a person that says, well, they're Methodist, so I'm not going to go there. They're Presbyterian, so I can't move over there. He will go where he wants to go and do what he wants to do. God is sovereign. He's powerful. He's great. He's mighty. And, and in Psalm 102, verses 16 to 18, it says this. When the Lord builds up Zion, he will appear in his glory. He will reward the prayer. <coughs> Excuse me. Something up here. <laughs> Power of God up here. Woo. He will reward the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their prayer. You know, sometimes we are so destitute in needing something from God. And sometimes we wonder, is God hearing our prayer? And he says he is. And he will not, he is not despising your prayer. He will honor it. And the next verse says, this is written for the generation to come that a people yet to be created will praise the Lord. The psalmist was talking about another time, not in their time, but a people yet to be created. Could this be the time when God has created a people who will praise him, a people who will worship him in spirit and in truth, a people who will love him, a people who will follow him to the ends of the earth. And the psalmist says in Psalm 85, will you not revive us again? Because revival has to start in the house of the Lord. The people of God have to be revived. You, you can't expect the people of the world to come in and worship if the people of God haven't been revived, the spirit of God hasn't made us alive. If we're not walking in the spirit daily. And so I'm just so thankful to be here today because I believe this is your desire. I believe that this is what you want. 
today following Christ. And it's so good to see all these babies. My goodness. I preached in Arkansas last week, and um, I was talking with someone who um, I was staying at, actually, at their home, and they were saying that in their church, the youth, the children, the young adults have stopped coming to church. And most of the church is just older people. And they were wondering what was going to happen to the church. So it's so good to be here and see every age group. Every age group here. To see the people of God that are gathering together in his name. Gathering together. We sometimes uh, have to take, uh, have a checkup. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We go see the doctor. I know my doctor called me and a couple of weeks ago, said, you haven't been in in a while. It's time for you to come in and have a checkup. So today, is it all right if we just have a little checkup? Can we go back to when you first got saved? Mm. Understanding this, that when we are saved, we are saved to follow Christ. And so my title of my sermon is Following Christ. We understand that it is not a person. It is not a system. It's not an organization. It's not even a teaching but it is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ who we need to follow. Amen? Amen. We're called to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean to be a disciple? Jesus, in John, the first chapter, we find that Jesus is walking along and Andrew, Andrew was uh, there and he saw him and he, and Jesus said, follow me. And then after that, Andrew ran to his brother Peter and said, we have found the Messiah. So if we can just think for a moment, we can't all be Peters. We can't all be the spokesmen of the church. 
but we can all be Andrews. Every one of us can tell somebody else, look, we found the Lord Jesus Christ, the Christ, the anointed one, the one, the Savior of the world. We can all do that. Amen? And that's what we're called to do. If we're following Jesus, he's called us to be his disciple, and he's training us to what? Go and make disciples. But then we find that um, there was another time, I, 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 maybe after Peter met Jesus and Andrew met Jesus and James and John met Jesus, you know, they might have followed him a little ways and, and then they went back to what they were doing, you know, they had business to take care of, their father's business, you know, they were fishermen. And so we find in the, in Matthew 4, and here comes Jesus walking along, and he says to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So they left their nets, and they started following Jesus. But it's interesting that in the book of Luke, the fifth chapter, it tells us that Peter, James, and John went out in their boats again. They were out in their boats again, and it's interesting how that it says that Jesus was talking to a large crowd and Peter, James, and John, they were, had brought their boats back in a ways because they had fished all night and caught nothing. And so here was Jesus and he walks out in the water and steps into Peter's boat. Peter, James, and John, they were cleaning their nets. I don't know why they needed to clean their nets because they hadn't caught, maybe, maybe all they caught was some uh, seaweed or something because they didn't catch any fish. They were cleaning their nets and Jesus said to them, he, he actually taught the crowd from the boat. And then afterwards, after that, he tells them, all right, take your nets, go out a little ways, and remember it says nets. In, in your Bible, you might underline that or highlight that, whatever, if you, with, on your electronics. Drop your nets on the other side. And of course, Peter being the spokesman, you know, he spoke up right away. Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, thank God for the nevertheless. Sometimes in our hearts, you know, the Lord tells us to do something and, and, and we're, we're, we're protesting. We're protesting. And you imagine uh, uh, Peter thinking, 
you know, we're professional fishermen. We, we fished all night long, and there was no fish. And here is Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher, the non-fisherman, telling us to go and drop our nets on the other side. And then I guess he thought better of it. I am talking too. He didn't know he was the savior at that time, but he knew that he was the Messiah. And he thought better, but nevertheless, Lord, the interesting thing is they didn't have a whole lot of faith in what Jesus was saying because they only took one net. If they'd done what, what Jesus told them to do, take your nets. Too often, we kind of um, put our own twist on what Jesus is telling us to do. Right? When he tells us to drop our nets, plural, and we drop one net. They, they almost lost everything because they only dropped one net. And they had to yell for James and John, come on over here. Because when they dropped their nets, there was such a haul of fish that it almost broke Peter's net. And so he had to call James and John to bring their nets and help them haul in. And when, after this happened, Jesus is just standing there watching. Did you think Jesus was surprised? Sometimes we, we act like Jesus is surprised at, at some of the things that happen to us. And Jesus is just standing there and Peter falls down at his feet and says, get away from me, Lord, because I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. Did, did, did Peter really want the Lord to leave him? No. But he was acknowledging. He was acknowledging that Jesus was right and he was wrong. And sometimes we just have to acknowledge we get sometimes our greatest victories. The greatest power is just acknowledging that we're right and he, uh, that he's right and we're wrong. That we didn't do it exactly as he said to do it. That we doubted him. And when we can acknowledge, mm, when we can acknowledge that Jesus Christ is all-knowing, all-powerful. That he knows what's in the sea. He can command the fish to do what he wants them to do. When we can acknowledge that, then it frees us. It frees us to follow him completely. And what it did for them was, the Bible says... After that, they forsook all and followed him. Mm. 
They left everything. We don't hear until after the crucifixion. We do not hear of Peter, James, and John going back to their nets. They went back to their nets after the crucifixion, and Jesus is in the grave. And thank the Lord for the book of John. Can you imagine if we only had Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and the last thing we knew about Peter was that he denied Jesus three times? And we, don't have, and we went right into the book of Acts. But because we have the book of John, we find out that Jesus restored him three times. And never again do we hear of Peter going out to, to his nets. Never again. They forsook all and followed him. So when you first get saved, this is the checkup. You are receiving an invitation to follow Jesus. Repentance is one thing. We must all repent. Right? We must all turn from our ways. But then we got to go somewhere. And that going is going with Jesus, following him. We've all heard the scripture in Matthew 11, 28, where Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And the question that I have is, well, what is a yoke? And so many people, I think, we, we hear these scriptures, and sometimes we can't explain them. A yoke is a harness used by oxen and other animals to bind them together so that they can plow a field together or haul a load together. The yoke is made of wood carved to fit the neck and the shoulders of the animal to prevent pain or discomfort. Did you get that? It's carved specifically for those animals. Because if the yoke is not fitting, it will chafe. It will hurt. It will, it, they won't be able to pull together. And so, the yoke of the Pharisees was very heavy. So often, when we think of that scripture, we only think of those people who are not religious, who are out in the world, and they're burdened by all their sins. There's another kind of burden. There's the burden of legalism. There's, there's the burden of, of all the things. You know, the Pharisees, they had um, written so much and added so much to the Levitical laws 
they had 600 different types of work when they were when the, when the bible says keep the sabbath holy you're not to work on the sabbath so they had listed over 600 different things that they considered work and if you did one of those things you broke that commandment they they said jesus said that they they that the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, they put so many things on the backs of the people that they weren't even willing to do them themselves. But Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, my goodness. My yoke is easy. So often I tell people when they're bearing under uh, seemingly a, a difficult thing. And they, they say it's, well, the Lord has put this on me. And I said, you better double check that. Because Jesus said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Amen? Are, are you walking under a yoke that, of Jesus? Are you yoked? To him? Or are you yoked to something else? We, we have to check ourselves. This is part of the checkup. Have we, we gone along in, in, in this Christian life and got yoked with some people that we shouldn't be yoked with? Have we got yoked with some ideas that we shouldn't be yoked with? Have we gotten yoked with some things that the world is trying to yoke us with? Some beliefs that we shouldn't be yoked with. And then it causes pain and discomfort. But Jesus, yoke is easy. It's the yoke of repentance. It's the yoke of faith. It's the yoke of being so singularly committed to following him and him only. Are we following Jesus? This is the checkup this morning. Are we following his plan? We are called to keep his commandments. There's a uh, few groups that have listed out the commandments of Jesus. One group uh, has about 50 command commandments. Um, and I've been thinking two things. One, I need to study the commandments of Jesus. And number two, I'd like to see how that Paul, Peter, James, and John, how did they incorporate the commandments of Jesus into their epistles? Does, does everything jive? Does the things that Paul, Peter, James, and John, and the writer of the Hebrews, does that do they jive? I would say that they do by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Can you go back to something that Paul told us to do as a church and say, yeah, that, that agrees with what Jesus said? Because that's the check. That's the check that we must have this agreement. And, and don't you know that the Holy Spirit is able, even if they said it in a different way, you know that the Holy Spirit is able to synchronize and keep everything just fitting together? And so we're called to keep his commandments. And in that invitation, it includes the instruction to learn of him. Learn of me, he says. Hmm. For I am humble and gentle. Are we following Jesus in humility? Are we following Jesus in kindness? Are we following Jesus in all of those things? We need to check ourselves, right? His character, the way he talked and interacted with people. We need to learn of him, about him, and from him. We need to learn his ways and his commandments. We need to learn his desires. What's important to him? Learn his power and his promises. We see his character through his promises. We need to say with the Apostle Paul that I may know him. Oh my goodness. It's interesting that you never hear Peter, James, or John say that I may know him. Why do you think that is? May I submit that they never had to say that because they walked for three and a half years with him day by day, moment by moment. They ate with him. They walked with him. They listened to his teaching. But Paul wasn't there. We weren't there. And so we can say with Paul that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Look, oh, praise God. Hallelujah. We need to know him. I can just imagine the Apostle Paul coming to Jerusalem and sitting down and they're sitting around and James on one side, Peter and John on another side, and they're all sitting around there. And Paul reaches over and says to Peter, oh, what was the Savior like? I can just, uh, just, just imagine trying to get from James some words of wisdom that Jesus had shared with them. I can just imagine that Paul was, was so interested in knowing about the Jesus. Remember, the Gospels hadn't been written yet. Paul couldn't go and read, you know, Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or John. So, I think he must have, he must have gone and asked them. I, I'm, I'm just, it's my imagination that he's just asking them. He had a, Paul had a vision of the, of the, you know, the exalted Christ. Paul had 
spent that time in Arabia. I think it was 12 years or something like that. He spent that time, and he had these visions. He was able to write the, the wonderful uh, book of Colossians and, and the wonderful book of First and Second Thessalonians. All of these things where he talks about the wonderful power of Jesus Christ. All things are held together. He's the exact representation of the Father. All of these wonderful things about our Savior. But did he know the Jesus Christ of Nazareth who walked on the Sea of Galilee, who walked down through Bethany, who walked into Jerusalem, who hung on a tree? Did he know the Jesus Christ that went to Samaria and told that woman everything about herself? Did he know that Jesus? We are so fortunate to have the Gospels to learn about the Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We need to know about the exalted Christ and we need to know about the Jesus of Nazareth because we can identify with the Jesus of Nazareth. He walked in this flesh. So we need to know. We need to know. They were able to tell him Everything that they had seen and heard. We must get to know the Savior if we are to truly follow him. We must allow the Holy Spirit to reveal him to us. We need to know the Jesus of Nazareth and the revealed, the, the Jesus of Nazareth who, who is revealed in the Gospels, and we need to know the exalted Christ who's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Psalm 86:11. The psalmist says this: "Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth." in order for us to walk as we should walk, do as we should do, we need the Lord to teach us, to show us his ways. When we're re reading the scriptures, we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see things that we had not seen before. I was reading something the other day and I thought, I've read this scripture many times. But it was in, the, in, in um, Proverbs. And it was talking about asking the Asking God who his son was. Did you know that Jesus was revealed in the book of Proverbs? <laughs> I said, now, how many times have I read this and just gone right over this? And all of us 
can read the Bible through and through and through and again and again and again. And every time we read something, the Holy Spirit can reveal something new. Oh, that it would be fresh to us. Oh, that the power of God would just open our eyes, open our ears, open us up to hear and to know what the Lord is saying to us. Psalm 25, 4 and 5, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. I wait on you all day long. We sang a song about God's glory that we would do anything. Would we really? Would we really do anything for his glory? For his manifest presence to be with us? Are we willing to lay aside some things that just keep us from spending that time with the Lord so that his glory can come and invade our very presence. Teach us, O oh Lord, we wait on you all the day long. John 17 and 3, Jesus is praying to the Father about his disciples, and he says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Oh, to know him. It is by knowing and following Jesus and keeping his commandments and becoming fishers of men. We, you and me, all of us, can be those followers who follow so close who attract others to him. Just, I, re, I, I remember somebody saying one time, well, I don't know about these guys, but this person, he's a true follower. He's a true follower. To be able for somebody to say that you are a true follower of Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit of Christ, we can keep this, keep the great commandment that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our being, our minds. And we can also keep the great commission that we would go into all the world and preach the gospel baptizing, making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe and obey everything that the Lord Jesus has commanded us. It is by following him so closely, so closely learning of him. What kind of a person was he? I hope and pray 
that you will this week do that inventory in your life. Have that checkup time. Lord, am, am I missing it some kind of way? Is there, can I do something different to follow you? I want to follow you with all of my heart. I want to keep your commandments and I want to be a fisher of men. Having the aroma of Christ upon our lives so that others are attracted to Jesus. That's following Jesus. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father in heaven, Lord, we've heard your word today. And Father, we pray, O oh God, that, Lord, this won't be like water on a duck's back. But the word will go in and seep into our very spirit. And the cry of our hearts would that we might know you, Lord, in a greater and more personal way. No matter how long we've known you, Lord, we still want to know you more. More and more and more of you, Lord. Oh, we desire, oh God, Lord, to, Lord, be in your presence. And carry your presence. Be a people who carries your presence. So that when we come in contact with those that don't know you, Lord, that they are attracted to you. Father, I pray, oh God, that as we carry your presence, Lord, we are also carrying, Lord God, our brothers and our sisters. That we, oh God, would bear one another's burdens as you told us to, Lord. That we would love the Father and love you, Lord God, in such a way that we also would love others as ourselves, Lord. It seems, Lord, like that's a difficult commandment, oh God, but by your spirit and by your power, we know that you didn't have a problem doing that. And so, Father, we pray in Jesus' name as we have the Spirit of Christ in us that it would become much easier, Lord, to love one another, to even to forgive our enemies as you have commanded us. Oh, God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love today, O oh God, that has spread abroad, uh, shed abroad on all of us, O oh God. Everyone here, oh Lord God, help us. Help us, O oh God, to walk by faith. Faith in you. Faith in your power. Faith in your word. 
faith in your promises, faith in your grace, faith in your love, to know the height and the depth and the width and the length of your love, your love for us, oh God. Oh, we got, we must know it, oh Lord. So we thank you. And we know that all things are possible through you. Our faith and our trust is in you because we know your name. So we love you today. Continue to work in our lives day by day and moment by moment as we surrender our hearts, our minds, our bodies, everything to you. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let us stand.